Protecting students and teachers when they step into school is priority number one. On School Safety Today, a podcast from Raptor Technologies, we'll bring you the technologies and leadership that protects over 35,000 schools across the United States. Hello and welcome to School Safety Today. It is a podcast brought to you by Raptor Technologies. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. And today we're talking about developing a strong school emergency communications plan. It is so important. We're going to tell you why. I am pleased to bring on today's guest, Rick Kaufman is the Executive Director of Community Relations and Emergency Management of Bloomington, Minnesota Public Schools. And thank you so much, Rick, for being with us today. Michelle, my pleasure. Thank you. I want people to know a little bit about your background before we dive into this topic at hand. And you have uh, quite an extraordinary resume. And unfortunately, you've had to deal with a lot of issues and a lot of events that nobody would ever wish on anybody, but you've been able to help out in some very interesting ways. Can you share a little bit more about your background, Rick? Sure. So I've spent 33 years in emergency management and 30 years in public education. Started out um, early in my career as a EMT certified and paramedic student working in an ambulance service in central Wisconsin uh, for about four and a half, five years. And then because of uh, come from a family of educators and a passion for education, I started working in public schools and married those two passions I had um, about communications and emergency management to, you know, create a safer school for, for students and, and staff members and, you know, bring comfort and uh, reduce anxieties and fears that parents have. So the better part of uh, 30 years in public schools, um, I've worked on emergency management and, and crisis communications. Was at Columbine High School um, when the tragedy occurred and was uh, really my first role responsibility was to offer triage and rescue operations because of being among the first to arrive on scene. That was my background. And so then I was assigned the responsibility to co-lead the crisis response team to the Columbine tragedy. And we focused on the media relations, working with families as liaisons, memorial events, and all kinds of things that would help a community heal and get back to a new sense of normalcy. Um, I've done that work now for, you know, since that time, working with school districts that have had these horrible incidents, um, including Sandy Hook and uh, Parkland, Florida, San Bernardino uh, uh, County Unified Schools, um, worked with lots of different school districts. I've had much smaller incidents, but um, all of them are very serious for those school districts. We happen to hear a lot of the real big ones. So, um, all the, so that's what I do. I work. Um, I, I have a full time job as a emergency management director and communications director for a school district, but I also assist school districts because I made a promise to the families of the victims at Columbine High School to do what we could create more safer and secure schools and and be prepared to respond. And I know we're going to focus on crisis communications day, which is a critical piece to uh, the response efforts. Absolutely. This is a conversation that we never wish we have to have, um, but we have to have it because if we don't, um, who knows what may be preventable that can get through the cracks. So this is such an important, important conversation. And let's start off with generally speaking, the role of communication when it comes to school safety. We're talking about preparedness. We're talking about emergency response. We're talking about recovery. Why is a communications plan so important in supporting emergency management? 
the reason why communication is so important is because it is truly the foundation of all of those elements for preparation, planning, response, and recovery efforts. It is a foundation in the sense that it is important that uh, parents and stakeholders of school systems and organizations in general know that there's a plan in place and then what happens when the things go awry or when a school district is in crisis. And if we're not transparent and not only internally but externally with our stakeholders, there's all kinds of research and there's all kinds of real life cases that shows those organizations typically don't survive. And in fact, many leaders don't survive because they've bungled the response or they weren't transparent enough. We live in a world today that uh, the expectation is that our stakeholders, our parents and caregivers, our staff, our students and community members need to know that the, the school they send their children to, that which is you know schools that are really the life line lifeblood of a community is a safe place. But if bad things happen, is the school prepared to respond? And then part of that response is that communications. Yeah, because the emergency management plan is only as good as communicating out to the people who are involved with that plan. So let's go on from there. We're talking about these plans, uh, especially with emergency management, you're talking about preparation, prevention, response, reunification, and recovery. So should a communications plan be outlined for all of these phases? And if so, how do they differ? What are some of the key ingredients to keep in mind here? They are. They are all parts of the phases. So if we take them apart, if you look at the preparing uh, preventing an emergency. Part of it is what structure in your crisis communication plans do you have in place to be prepared if an incident occurs, how to respond and how quickly. So what that looks like could be what we call response statements or uh, key messages that have been crafted for a number of potential scenarios so that you're not scrambling to do that. Who is the chief spokesperson or spokespersons when you have an incident to respond? And, and uh, what is the chain of command, and so to speak, and who's going to be crafting those messages? Who's going to be relaying those messages? Also on the pre pre preparations places, what communication channels are you using? Do you have a rapid notification system, a mass notification system to your parents and your staff and key stakeholders? All of those build a confidence from your stakeholders that the school district is prepared. In addition, in terms of preparation, is informing stakeholders what happens when an incident occurs in your school. We went through lots of years where school systems and specifically felt this need to keep everything secret around school safety. The reality is that, yes, we're concerned about the worst case scenarios where someone is intent to do harm to others um, from the outside. But the reality is that the harm is often from the inside. It's a student, uh, rarely as a staff member, but as someone that's already in the building. So when a bad situation occurs, are we in, what can your parents and their caregivers expect that's going to happen in the school? Why is that important? When we know, when they know that it reduces their anxiety and fears that would likely happen if they don't know what's happening in their child's school when they say go in lockdown or they're evacuating because of some incident on campus. Fear and anxiety is still going to be there. We've done a lot of brain research about how people react and respond to these types of incidents. But we also know the more that you, one knows, not only those staff working when that incident occurs, but also parents and caregivers, 
the better opportunity that they have to understand that what we're doing, why we're not communicating to you is we're protecting your child and keeping them safe. Without that knowledge, as a parent, you're going to think and fear the worst has occurred to your child. Let's go a little deeper with that because we unfortunately are talking more and more about school tragedies. Um, Columbine, you think of the first large-scale mass shooting that I remember you know, happening and everybody was just so in shock and awe. And now it's become so normalized because we hear about these more and more, Uvalde being the most recent and, and you were there. So it's such a sensitive, sensitive topic. You you brought up about fear and anxiety. So how important is planned, deliberate communication when it comes to helping to ease the fears of not only the parents, but also the students as well? It's critical. And that's why when we coach and train um, the development of a crisis communication plan, it really is having all of those pieces in place for the worst thing that could happen. Now, you can't game plan for every potential scenario that could or has affected a school district. What you can do, though, is put in place those specific pieces. And so instead of trying to write a response for every one of those incidents is what is the general response? And then what are those pieces in place? That reduces the length of time that it would take to create all those things on the fly. And then by the way, because brain research shows that in those kinds of situations, even for those of us that are responding, our uh, cognitive function slows down and um, we have to you know, focus on what we're doing. When that happens, though, we have a tendency to miss critical pieces. So that's why we talk about communications is really a foundational piece for that preparation and planning and having those in place before. So when it does occur, you aren't scrambling to do that. And by the way, you're not scrambling when you're already in that heightened sense of anxiety yourself. In addition to parents and students that we've talked about, who else should schools have that communication with? And what should they be thinking in terms of what and how to communicate with each of these groups? Well, it's important for staff because staff are the ones that are going to be are responding. And now we train staff in all of our schools, whether it's lockdown or evacuation, shelter in place in some respect. But also the important piece is about communication because it's letting staff know or informing staff, if you will, that what's going to be happening when they're in lockdown and they can't they can't talk to anyone because they're being quiet or they're evacuated to an emergency location. They don't have that access to communications, or at least the majority of staff won't. And so what can they expect as well? So part of this is all uh, preloading the brain, if you will, to understand what to do when a real world situation occurs. And why is that important? Is because it creates a cultural condition to know what to do. The more we train, the more we drill, the more we know the better and quicker we can respond with fidelity and not scramble. Now, when you take it to the next level in terms of parents, we want parents to know what to expect when bad things happen. We inform parents. I encourage schools at the beginning of the school year and maybe one other or two other times during the school year to remind parents what happens when a bad thing happens in, our, in your child's school. What happens when it, we have a lockdown? What happens if it's a shelter in place or we have to evacuate? They, all those questions that a parent's gonna ask, you've got to be able to respond to it. So why not give them the information now? So I really, 
the start of the school year is really important to keep parents and caregivers informed about what you're doing and what you will do. And the whole intent, and we tell parents, the whole intent is to protect your child and know that we have your child's best interests in mind until we can hand them off to you in a reunification process. When we're talking about communication, it could be very dangerous if that communication is not pushed out in the right form. We think of the old whisper down the lane and how things can change. So with that said, what tools are in place with regard to software technology? How important are they when it comes to proper communication with emergency response and what we're talking about today? Yeah, look, we know the neighborhood conversation pieces over the fence conversations that our parents probably got a lot of the information is alive and well in many communities. But the reality is, is that schools can't rely on that. And part of that is that we have a consistent message, uniform message that um, we don't um, that, that we're really cons- when I talk about consistency, that it's factual and it's transparent with the information that we know. And then it has to go through a mass, uh, some system that can get it out there very quickly. So systems that have a database of your parents and your caregivers and guardians that you can instantly craft that message or get that message, copy and paste it and get it out there very quickly. And it may be really limited information, but it's reinforcing parents. And then in some respects, giving parents the um, knowledge to know what to do. So if you want parents to go to a reunification site, um, if you want parents to stay where you are, this will provide more information as it becomes available. There's also social media. There's traditional uh, news media. There's, um, you know, you're, you're, you might have a local cable access channel. All of those channels, all of those systems need to work because that's how parents receive information today and staff and students for that matter. Look, when we talk about crisis communication, oftentimes we don't want students to be engaged in that. The reality is kids are going to be texting their parents in a crisis. They're going to be texting and telling them what they're seeing and hearing. And you got to remember, that's going to be a very myopic viewpoint. So in some respects, it's important to share that information of what's happening to reassure their safety and well-being if you're in lockdown or evacuation, and then what you can, um, what you should be doing. And then if that's the information they're texting their parents, We're just doubling up on those efforts that parents know that, hey, at least my child is telling me they're safe and they're secure. It really is a group effort with everything we're talking about today. There's so many moving parts, not only in the school system, outside of the school system, in the community, et cetera. So can you share any maybe specific takeaways or tips for viewers or listeners out there as far as a call to action? What can we all do to help out with this? As a parent and a caregiver or guardian with children in school, it's best to contact your child's school and ask what are the safety pieces in place? Um, What are those, what we call school safe conditions or response protocols? And then what happens in in my child's school? And how is my child informed? So is there a process of educating kids about these things? Because unfortunately, Um, We want them to know and be prepared what to do. And then how will you let me know as a parent and caregiver when a situation occurs? So in a very, you know, positive manner, parent-teacher conferences or back-to-school nights, have a conversation with the school principal or others or even their teachers, you know, so you build a sense of confidence. And that's why we really train and educate staff to be able to share the same kind of messaging 
um, kind of that speak with one clear voice um, so that parents are reassured. That's critical um, because, again, when a real situation occurs, at least parents can be assured that my child is safe to the best of my knowledge because I know the school has my child's back. What one or two steps would you like to see school leaders take on to help ensure the safety and security of their school communities? Well, that's a, I mean, that's a question that we could probably spend an hour or so on. I would fill it down to, with, in terms of crisis communication, is, is really important. I think I'm, gonna, I'm kind of going to repeat myself. It's important that you share with your stakeholders what happens in your school district. No two school districts are the same in how they respond to a crisis, and nor should they be. Each school district each, um, is very unique. It has its uh, unique nuances, its community, its size. Um, is it a community of uh, predominantly non-English-speaking um, families? And, and so what systems in place do you have for translated messages? And is it translated by voice or by email? Because we know some ethnicities, they do better by video or by voice than they do in reading or or having it written in a written format. So um, the, the things that school, when I, would have, when I coach schools about communications is it's not, uh, well, I should say, let me say this. What we train and coach school coach um, school districts and staff is it's not about all those things you're going to do in terms of lockdown evacuation. That's the response piece that you need to do physically. What are we thinking broadly about how we educate staff, students, and parents about when a situation occurs? What does it look like and how are we protecting your children and what we will do? Again, we're building those layers of support, comfort um, and knowledge because knowledge is powerful for our parents. So those are the really the first and critical layers. Everybody wants to jump to the response. If you put your efforts on the front end, the likelihood of going south very quickly or the damage that is done for the failure of communication is really minimized. I'm not saying we're perfect. No school emergency, no school crisis is ever perfect. There's no system that can uh, solve or resolve it. But the better prepared you are and the more transparent you are with your stakeholders, the better you'll be on the outs on the outcome on the backside of this crisis because at, at some point the crisis is going to be over you're in that recovery stage um, and that's a whole different uh, a beast if you will but you're going to fare better um, it, the more prepared and the more systems you have in place and communication is a critical system that um, if done well it'll minimize minimalize the negative impact. If it's done poorly or not at all, we have seen companies that have failed. We have seen organizations failed and we have seen school districts that um, have taken a tremendous amount of time to recover. And when that happens, you'll see um, families that don't believe or trust that school district has their best interests at heart. And so they'll move to other districts or, or, or homeschool. We've seen it. And so um, those are the downsides. And, and then you lose a lot of really good people too. Yeah. And not just for people who have kids who are in schools, parents and students, but it affects the whole community. You know, our school system is such a, a life force in all of our communities. Uh, any final thoughts as we're wrapping up this conversation, Rick? 
No, I think you, you've done, we've covered a lot of ground. This is a this is one aspect, and that's why I really love the fact that we're focusing just on the communication. We, like I said, we could co cover all aspects of the of a crisis, but communication. Um, this is a good. When I talk about foundation, this podcast is a good foundation for school districts and school leaders to review what is in place or or what isn't in place, and what isn't in place. Let's get moving on getting a system structure in place. What is in place? Let's look at those systems that we have and can we shore up uh, any of those that we might have uh, faltered? Uh, do we have uh, our, all of our communication channels uh, ready for communicating to parents? And then have we informed students, staff, and our parents about what it looks like? And all of us can play a role in that, not just parents and students. We really all, uh, we talked about call to actions, can do something to help out with this scenario. We pray and hope that it never happens again, but unfortunately and tragically, we see it all too often. So very, very important information that we're discussing today, talking about developing a strong school emergency communication plan, because communication is key. All the best plans and well laid as they may be are worthless unless they can be communicated to the right people at the right time in the right manner. So thank you so much, Rick, for being a guest today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Michelle. Appreciate it. Rick Kaufman is Executive Director of Community Relations and Emergency Management for Bloomington, Minnesota Public Schools, as well as a consultant and, as you heard, has dealt, unfortunately, with a lot of these situations. And we really do appreciate your time, Rick, and we hope people out there listening will take those call to actions. Um, hopefully, we have some great information that's going to put some parents and students at ease and the school systems to want to better their game when it comes to being prepared and getting that communication as clear and concise as it can be. Thank you so much for everyone out there listening and viewing our podcast today. This is the School Safety Today podcast brought to you by Raptor Technologies. And if you would like more information about this podcast, future episodes or past episodes, you can visit raptortech.com. Once again, I'm your host, Michelle Don Mooney. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon.